I feel like this whole show I had a like I don't give a shit about what the show sounds like vibe. <laughs> That's why we're the co-hosts. <laughs> Clearly. 1980s now. All right, here we go. Hey, welcome back to another episode of 1980s Now. I've got to stick to John's timeline. I realize I just blew a half hour or 15 minutes. Ooh. Go! Oh, dear. Oh, dear. We have only, what, uh, <laughs> only have an hour and 15 minutes now. Don't. Uh, a weekly Only examination what? of the importance of I'm just going to disconnect to the time limit. Don't worry about me. <laughs> Pop culture and its influence today. Hey, my name's Will, and joining me as always are my friends and co-hosts, Kat and John. Hey, guys. How you Hi, doing? guys. Hey, there. Hey, and don't forget to listen to our good buddy, John, as he hosts his very own podcast, uh, Gen X oh. Grown Up. And he hosts his own YouTube channel, and he hosts, he's hosting a lot mm-hmm. of things. Uh, but not here. Here, I defer yeah. to my hero, Will. Yes, unless I stop talking for for five seconds, and then the Cat and John show starts. Proud to be part. We'll turn this show around. Yeah. So hey, you know on today's show, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna just gonna catch up on a bunch of current news stories uh, related to 1980s mm-hmm. media. That's all we're gonna do, and, and I'll be honest with that's you. It? Yeah, because that's, that's this plenty. week was insane, and I don't like to half-ass any of our topics, although they probably sound like. Well, why would you want to full-ass anything, though? <laughs> Have we talked about this? It might depend on the situation. It doesn't sound right. I want a half-ass or less. Mm, okay. Uh, and this week was crazy. And, all right, just follow mm. me on this, cat. And this mm. weekend, I was really busy uh, at, at a prom. Cat and I attended a, a 1980s prom. Yes. I had the good fortune of, of being a of DJ and playing the music. And That's on my bucket list. Yeah, which to be at an 80s prom? Uh, no, dancing at an event that you're the DJ at. So oh. I achieved it. Oh. It's an item on my bucket list. Yeah. Yeah. All Duran Duran <laughs> all the time. Okay. So this is what we're going to do, Cat, uh, okay? Uh, mm-hmm. Since the listeners don't know, and hopefully I'll remember to take this part out. Right, uh, right. We really didn't have the prom yet. We're recording this before the prom, but we're recording mm-hmm. for the prom because we're going to be so busy. So let's do, do two yeah. takes. One, the prom went really well. And a second uh-huh. take in case something really horrible happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then okay. on, mm-hmm. at the last minute, I'll edit in the right one. Okay. So, wow, that was so okay. much fun. We had such a great time. Uh, you look fantastic in your oh, dress. Best DJ ever. <laughs> yes, dress. Yep. I had a dress. <laughs> it was very colorful. <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, everything was colorful. Yes. yes. The music was colorful. <laughs> So what was the theme of the great prom, guys? Girls just want to have fun. Yes. Asterisks and the DJ who's not a girl. (laughs) But also enjoys having fun. Right. Okay, now let's do another take just in case it's an absolute disaster. Okay. Mm -hmm. Kat, I am so sorry that you were there when that (laughs) happened. I had no idea. You're sorry I was there when I broke my ankle from dancing? Yes. <laughs> That's the only way it could have happened is if I was dancing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have offered you that uh, painkiller if I had known mm. you were allergic. <laughs> and why don't you carry an EpiPen? <laughs> I, I expected you to provide. You're the DJ. Mm. You're supposed to take care of everyone at your event. <laughs> what do you think DJ stands for? Isn't it Dr. J? Oh, nicely done. <laughs> Dr. J. Okay, one of those we'll use. All right, very good. All okay. right, so among this, so so again, we're going to focus on news, not going to have a topic, but among those news items we're going to talk about is Dream Kid's got a new single, our buddy Dream Kid. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about the de-aging of Harrison Ford in uh, the new film a little bit more than we have in the past. Uh, John Williams uh, got a couple different items of note about his uh, the music that he's done, including on that new Indiana mm-hmm. Jones film. Uh, a bit of the truth behind the Michael Jordan story that's featured in the air docu, not air documentary, the air movie that came out. Mm-hmm. Um, docu drama ish. Yeah. Kind of what do they thing. call those? Yeah. Like a biopic? Is that a, that's not a biopic. That was not about his. That's kind of like about one person, but it's, yeah. it's a biopic mm-hmm. about a company and an event kind of, yeah, I'd, I'd say so. It's Something a biopic like of a shoe. Um, the truth. Uh, <laughs> a soul pick. Michael J. Fox's uh, oh. new documentary. Oh, nice. Nicely done. See, I'm going to hear, try to hear things now. Instead of in the edit later. Be in the moment, uh, Will. Carrie always has some thoughts. <laughs> he, he affirms his stance about a Princess Bride, uh, Princess Bride reboot. 
And mm-hmm. we've got some Ghostbusters casting news, maybe, sort of, I think. Right? I'm doing the sound effect for That's you. That's all. It's the, it's the firehouse alarm. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. I thought I was going to tell you guys something, but I don't remember. Anyway, uh, I'm a little... Uh, I don't know, frazzled a bit. So you know, I just ran here in here to record because I was just at some shows that my youngest kid was doing at the school mm-hmm. over there. And uh, how'd that go? Yeah, yeah, they, 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 they were great. They were great. They in the the yeah, high school band, and she's part. She's in. She's younger, but she's in the high school band. That band is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome! Really fantastic. It's a huge yeah, band really. too. It's got to be like a hundred kids almost. I think seriously. Whoa! But um, what I wanted is awesome. There, there's also these high school. Uh, what do they call the acapella groups that perform, you know, and they perform mm-hmm. shows. Yeah. And I had seen them once before. And in both groups, because now it's the thing to have for acapella groups is a percussionist. Mm-hmm. Now in mm-hmm. the eighties, we would say it was someone who beatboxes, you know? Right. Yes. Yes. And the last time I saw them, my, my wife and the people we were with were praising. Oh, the best thing about those groups was that the, the girl who was doing the acapella, the percussion Fantastic. I could listen to that all the time. And I'm like, are you kidding me? When I beatbox in the house, they're always telling me to stop. Well, because you spit all over everything oh. when you do it. Well. Oh, no. That is true. You're right. You're like a rainbird sprinkler head. Like you're not Bismarcky and we don't have a mop. So cut it out. Uh, hmm, that's probably true. I had this fantasy. This is true. I had this fantasy just because I, I daydream a lot. And I'm sitting there waiting for them to come mm-hmm. out because I know they're coming out. I thought, what if the the girl who usually does the beatboxing isn't here. She's sick. And just like a medical emergency, something like at the prom that we were at, or we were not at, I don't remember yes. if it was good or not. Right. They run out like someone had a heart attack. Is yes. there a human beatbox in the house? Yes. Anyone? We have an emergency. I would, can you come backstage? I'm like, I don't even need to. Just count me. Mm-hmm. Right. Off you go. There you go. I am your EpiPen for this situation. <laughs> Or not, depending. Well, what or know. not. <laughs> All right, hey, let's get caught up on 1980s news. So like I mentioned, yeah, our good buddy, uh, TikTok and Instagram superstar viral music uh, sensation Dream Kid has just released a new single mm-hmm. called Street Lights, which is, mm-hmm. uh, it's, a, it's a single that's uh, off of his upcoming sophomore uh, album that's coming out this summer from Outland mm-hmm. Recordings. It's, look, if you hear it, it's what you hope and expect for from Dream Kid is that mm-hmm. combination of his vocals and that, you know, synth, just sort of synth-soaked track that, I don't know, just in me, it immediately inspires some kind of nostalgic feeling. Yes, definitely. It's a very dense soundscape that's created, right? It's, it's, it's not hollow at all. It's like, you feel like all the corners are no. filled in with layers of mm-hmm. sound, which I appreciate. Yeah. And I've got a, I've got a, if you haven't had a chance, and for, mm-hmm. for you listening, I've got a clip of the new single here. It's a, guy, a great song yeah, in yeah. its own right. I have to say, though, it definitely, um, it wants my brain to evoke, uh, think of a movie that mm-hmm. it could go in. Yes. Yes. I'm yeah. not sure if I'm being influenced yep. by his his shorts, mm-hmm. his videos, or what, or if there's something about the sound of it. I wondered what you guys thought about that. Yeah, I agree with you. And in fact, yeah. I was thinking yeah. we would turn to John to find out what is being scored because we know he's good at this with regard, at least with regard to Dream Kid. Yes! We've never tried yes! it with any other musician, yes! but he yeah. knows I did get Dream lucky the one time, therefore I'm an expert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all it takes on this show. Yeah. Did you get any visions or do you yeah, need to hear it again? I did, yeah. I did. You yeah. know, what it feels to me is, um, it feels like I'm at the mall at night. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. like I, I could picture driving around the mall. I mean, the, the title uh-huh. streetlights invoke that, but then I'm thinking like oh. I'm inside the mall and it's the skylight mall. So it's dark outside and the lights inside uh-huh. are lighting up. It's, it just, they remind me of something about being in the mall when I was a kid. I like that. And you just inspired me for something else. Ooh. My friend and I, we used to drive around parking lots of grocery stores mm-hmm. <laughs> in the Specifically 80s grocery stores? <laughs> yes. <laughs> And this could have been. Yo, got any spare Twinkies? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What are you doing at a grocery store at night? Yeah. Is it open the store or is it? Sometimes. Yeah. Not always. (laughs) Not always. (laughs) 
This could have been our, our soundtrack for mm-hmm. our okay. escapades mm-hmm. in the parking lot. Well, <laughs> the music video for the single premieres uh, on the on uh, on Ryan's uh, YouTube channel Thursday, May fourth. Okay. If it has mm-hmm. a car driving around either a mall or a shopping or a grocery store, yep. Well, you know the mall. I guess I wouldn't be surprised. That grocery store, if that's that's specific, Pathmark or A and Oh, okay. It's got to be oh, East Coast grocery. Not a Piggly Wiggly. Mm, yeah. Deals no. bets off. If it's a Piggly Wiggly. That would have been better though. Somehow <laughs> yeah. that would make it better. Yeah, that does seem more eighty southern. Uh, yes. With regard to his sound, Ryan says, "quote It's about comparing the present to the past. Things we things seem tough in the present so long, so you long for the old days. Even if you're in the same place you were on, and the streets look the same, everything feels." different and quote mm. facts you know even before he appeared on our show he already had over three hundred and fifty thousand followers on tiktok and instagram mm-hmm. i can't imagine where he's at now well once, once right. the 1980s now effect kicks in the sky's right? the limit it's like a, you know, i'm trying to, i don't know of a, a metaphor that would be for something that takes a really long time to build <laughs> it's so slow and changing that you don't notice, so you flower blooming. It's there. It's ephemeral, but it's real. It <laughs> yeah. does happen. It just anyway, he also boasts a plethora of Hollywood A-listers uh, that follow him now. Um, his uh, Christmas time Instagram reel was shared by Jared Leto, or Jared Leto, Leto, Jared mm. Leto, mm-hmm. uh, and others like Zachary. I'm just gonna screw up everybody's names in this thing. Zachary <laughs> Levi, you know mm-hmm. Shazam, okay. Topher Grace, Freddie oh. Prince have all expressed their love for. Uh, uh, him in the last couple of months. Wait, are you just listing people that screwed up superhero movies? Is that who follows Dream Kid? Oh, let me see here. Oh, yeah, <laughs> oh, you're right. Except for Freddie Prince. <laughs> Except for Freddie Prince, maybe. And he's too smart, I think, to Maybe to, so. Uh, yeah, that. maybe so. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very specific audience. <laughs> <laughs> well, this new single, Street Lights, uh, is available everywhere. Uh, there's also a link in the show notes mm-hmm. below if you need help finding it. Okay. Hey, in other 1980s news... As reported by Total Film Magazine, mm-hmm. Dial of Destiny director James Mangold is talking about de-aging Henry. Henry Jones, that is. Uh, so look, we, we've talked about this movie many times now. And in fact, we've also, we point, on those occasions, we pointed out how it's going to open with a set piece that's uh, set in 1944. It's going to be like a 25-minute opening intended mm-hmm. to put us in the place, the feeling, the vibe of the original Indiana Jones films. So we're going to see a younger Indy in connection with that. The idea being that, and Mangold's talk about this, and, and so we have, that when that segment ends, we're dropped into 1969 and have to now sort of do, you know, deal with whatever that means emotionally, seeing a young mm-hmm. guy that we cared about for 25 minutes now in one way, and for, what, 30 years now, 40 years now, having to cope with being older, having to cope with a completely different world that's more sophisticated. I get it. I'm curious what that phenomenon is going to be. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked yeah. about what we, I, I don't know. I don't know what that emotional experience is going to be. Um, no, from an analytical standpoint, okay. I think it's really interesting how we know so much about this film because they had to give the internet something to chew on. In 1985, yeah, yeah, we wouldn't yeah. know it's 25 minutes of an actor being de-aged. We wouldn't know, but mm-hmm. all no. you wouldn't know anything. But now I think they have to pick something that doesn't spoil everything to give you so that you will stop digging. or Not that it works all the time. But like in the trailer, you find out that the young lady double crosses him. Like you went ahead and found that out in the trailer. Yeah. You would not have seen that in an 80s trailer. You had That would have been a story beat. But now they have to feed you this. Right. Like Ghostbusters Afterlife was similar. Like they fed you all these pieces yeah. because they knew you'd be digging and they gave you something to dig up. And I, that disappoints me that like, we are so voracious for information that they have to give us something that... It could technically have been a spoiler, but for the fact they had to present it as a, as a shield right. almost. I yeah. was wondering about that 25 minutes. Isn't that seemed long or sounds mm-hmm. long to me no. for an exciting opening scene? Is, yeah. Or is that just me? Well, in the sense that I guess we don't know what, what percentage is of the movie, but you know, look, if you think about the structure of a film, yeah, it's usually 20, 25 mm-hmm. minutes to get to that inciting incident that launches us sort of into the you know meat of the story. Right. That first act, right? Mm-hmm. It, it could be, and it seems like based on this dial that maybe it's something that slipped through his fingers, you know, 30, what is yeah. it, 30 years earlier, mm-hmm. 25 years earlier. Makes sense. It could be that structurally it's the same as a regular film, but yeah, to be in a different time period, yeah, that's kind of, uh, yeah. I don't know if there's a precedent necessarily, but it's unusual. I think I'm going to feel kind of sad because, you know, we're just going to be reminded, this is what he wants. He wants us to be reminded 
of Young Indie, of mm-hmm. Young Indie the f- for us, not only uh, story-wise, but as film goers, you know, as people who sat in a theater in the 1980s and watched them. Mm-hmm. And I think that getting lost in that and then switching to now or, you know, 69 is close enough to now. Mm-hmm. It's going to be kind of, I don't know, yes. a reminder that, oh, Harrison Ford's old. He's not young anymore. Oh, damn it. It might be jarring. I think I told you guys this story once before, but I remember being a kid. I remember being exactly where I was when, I told you this before, but I'll tell you anyway. You don't care. You don't remember. Uh, that some <laughs> actor of old Hollywood had passed away. This is in the 1980s. I'm okay. a kid and I learned, mm-hmm. and I remember the old the adults being sad. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, wow, it's, you know, I don't remember who it was, but we lost, you know, whoever mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. And I remember feeling, I've seen him in movies, you know, old black and white films or whatever, but otherwise feeling no emotional connection. And it dawned on me when Harrison Ford goes, that's how I'm going to, it's going to be mm-hmm. like that for me. And since then it's like, or since recently yes. now, you know, when yeah. he's, he's winding up these characters. Oh. It's like, oh, we're getting so, there. So in your youth, this was like a, like a Jimmy Stewart or a, that, that caliber mm-hmm. of longtime actor that, you weren't right. attached to, you just recognized him, but you hadn't grown up with him like yes. your parents mm-hmm. had. Oh. Right. And so yeah. they were, yeah, they yeah, were upset. Gonna, yeah, it was, it was going to hit different. It was Fred Astaire or Gene Kelly. It was mm-hmm. someone like that. One of those, sure. Anyway, so so we learned yeah. just a slight bit more about the process of de-aging him for this opening segment, which winds up, according to James Mangold, it, it, it allowed him to film the movie in, in a way that's not different than the other films he's made. Whereas, yeah. you know, in the past, they've required, you know, a lot of different types of technology and uh, sort of things that could mm-hmm. interfere with the performance of an actor uh, that makes it a little awkward to to be able to do these, you know, post-production de-aging. But he said, no, he said there was totally, pr- there was nothing particularly unusual about shooting these, the scenes, um, except that Harrison Ford had some dots on his face to capture mm-hmm. his For performance. Tracking. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Mangold said, quote, I just shot him, Harrison Ford that is. And he just pretended that he was 35. <laughs> I have to wonder how hard that was. <laughs> that was easy or difficult to pretend to be 35. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Doing that now with each other. I don't know how I would do that. Like, what? Yeah. what is, like, I don't have the energy to pretend uh, I'm 35 anymore. Anyway, so in just a few years, because they've been doing this for a few years now, this de-aging, it's, mm-hmm. you know, like technology, unlike any other, most aspects of our lives, advances at a much more rapid rate than other aspects of our culture. And among that mm-hmm. is, is this, you know, um, again, it used to be so much more difficult and challenging, but included, included among those advances is that Mengold said that he, one of the benefits was that he could shoot Harrison uh, Ford on a Monday uh, <laughs> and could see the dailies by Wednesday that already had his head replaced with a younger Harrison Ford. <laughs> That's crazy. But it is crazy. <laughs> but then I think about what's happened in like just AI technology in the last six months, even. Hmm. Yes. And now it's like, well, that's barely crazy at all. You know, Mm -hmm. the difference is what he has is almost, you know, screen ready. Whereas what we get is like weird looking too many fingers AI stuff. But in the professional (laughs) realm, I can imagine how much better it is for them. Wow. Yeah. And, and they, unlike other productions that have had to maybe struggle with, uh, and using different techniques to de-age actors, they had the benefit of reels and reels, hours and hours of footage of Harrison Ford, not only playing, you know, a vast number of characters throughout his 30s and 40s, sure. but specifically this Indiana character. Jones. Right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Which, you know, yeah. based on the technology they use, they could just have a computer take that and draw essentially that on the old guy's face. Right. Yeah. And it's well, almost seamless. Imagine the convenience, right? So yeah. you're like, oh, we had this footage from Harrison Ford in Raiders of the Lost Ark, but there's a shadow on his forehead from his hat. Well, good news, he's wearing his hat now. So we're going to keep that shadow, <laughs> yeah. no problem. So we can use the footage. Yeah. So there's something about being that character. And sometimes actors embody a character and they will act slightly differently. They'll make different mannerisms, but they're using yeah. the footage yeah. of him being that already, which is, yeah. and being that at that age, it's so perfect. Like you couldn't have planned it any better. Mm-hmm. If Yeah, I can't wait to see it. It occurs to me when we're talking about him acting 35, they're going to have to use an AI to do his voice, probably. Tweak it, maybe? Pull some gravel out or something? Some filter will fix that. Don't you imagine? I was thinking maybe they would go the uh, James Earl Jones, Darth Vader route, you know, where they had used uh, the various uh, clips of Darth Vader and- Create the phoneme library and just like make him say whatever. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And they could, I mean, or they feed it, you know, old Indiana Jones still, you know, similarly Mm -hmm. to the face thing. Maybe. Oh, that's wild. 
Well, speaking of James Mangold and this film, mm-hmm. during the recent Star Wars celebration, which we talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, James mm-hmm. Mangold opened up about getting John Williams to return to the franchise. Mm-hmm. You know, we also mm-hmm. talked about this before. Williams had planned to retire after Mangold's uh, film. It right. seems like he's maybe not retiring anymore. Yeah. Which is good news for all of us. But um, mm-hmm. it required some uh, convincing for even Williams to get involved in this. And so, because he was already winding down as he, again, at the time he imagined he was winding down. <laughs> so he only committed initially to just doing, uh, he was just going to write a couple of themes and then mm-hmm. they were going to have other folks, other composers come on other to, to orchestrate the music, you know, to tease it out, you know, write some other riffs on, on the theme that uh, Williams creates. Well, mm-hmm. according to uh, Mangold, again, a quote, quoting Mangold, he said, that was the plan until quote, Williams saw the movie and then he started <laughs> writing themes and he just didn't stop until he had written over two hours of music in pencil. End quote. In pencil. <laughs> this, this reminded me of a moment uh, that I had seen recently uh, from a making of documentary from, I think it was the original Raiders of, Lo- Raiders of the Lost Ark, where mm-hmm. for that film, Williams had written two different themes and prevented them to Spielberg for him to, to choose. I've heard this. And I have a clip from that. I have a clip uh, from that documentary with Spielberg. Oh, cool. We'll explain it better than I can. John, you know, he'd, he'd actually written two Raiders themes. He had written... <laughs> play that for me. <laughs> which I freaked out over. I loved it so much. <laughs> then he said, and here's another possible Raiders score, uh, Raiders' main theme, and he played... And, and so he had had two choices. Oh. And I think my only input was to say, can't you use both? And he did. He made the <laughs> latter the bridge, and he made the former the main theme. I mean, just so prolific and yep. so brilliant. And he's still very busy. I have some friends who just saw him last night in, in, at Lincoln Center in New York Philharmonic. Was he conducting? I, I believe so. Yeah, I guess he, what else? <laughs> no, they just saw him there, Will, <laughs> eating popcorn. There he is. There you go. <laughs> but they were doing, uh, it was like a, a John Williams, uh, you know, retrospective or something. For? Yeah, yeah, something like that. So it, themes, yeah, John John Williams themes. And he, and he was there for it. And mm. apparently Steven Spielberg was also a guest. Wow. As well, cool. yeah. That would have been a, a fun event to be at. Yeah, kidding. Yeah. Uh, with regard to creating these themes, you know, again, he's very prolific and he... Mm-hmm. I would never have guessed those were two. They say, and then when he says that, it's like, oh yeah, I could see either of those being the main theme. Mm-hmm, but right. the way he put them together with the one being the main mm-hmm. theme, the other one being sort of like a bridge. Oh, it's just so perfect. Yeah. And the moments they choose to use one or the other in the films, you know, it's just so perfect. And it maps uh, directly onto the Indiana Jones model, which is action swashbuckling and then long sweeping shots. And, you know, mm. you know, and I picture the map and the dotted line that's drawing across the map and that's that sweeping bridge. Oh, yeah. And then back into the action. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> like perfect. Yeah. Accidentally perfect. Serendipitous. Yes. Uh, with regarding to writing these uh, melodic themes, uh, Williams said, quote, I spend more time on those bits of musical grammar to get them just right. So they seem inevitable. <laughs> I don't know how many permutations I will go through with a six note motif like that. They're often the mm-hmm. hardest things to capture, I think, for anyone. Hmm. And see, right? Otherwise, if he was a dumb person, he'd be like, oh, it's easy. It's no problem. He, he wouldn't know the difference. Take him out all the time. <laughs> he knows it's difficult. Yeah, of course. That's yes. why he's a genius. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, in other 1980s news, and this is per screen rant. Now, you know, I feel like I'm cr- cranking through these at the pace I normally do. So the show might be a half hour long, but that's fine. Too. <laughs> Not likely. I wish we had the wheel. <laughs> I thought about doing it. <laughs> Don't worry. Will, we will derail you soon. No worries. <laughs> but honestly, like if we were BSing for 10 minutes, we've been recording for a half hour and minus Kat's getting her thing restarted, maybe five minutes. So 25 mm-hmm. minutes of show, plenty of show. Yeah. There you go. Whatever. <laughs> we were at a prom. Something bad happened or something good happened. Whatever. <laughs> you know, you listened. Uh, per Screen Rant Air, you know, the, the film about Michael Jordan's iconic footwear is mm-hmm. full of, well, hot air, I guess. Uh, uh, Air tells the story about Nike signing Michael Jordan and creating the Air Jordan, but a major part of the the you know quote unquote true story that the film doesn't detail would make audiences look at it a little bit differently than they do. Mm-hmm. So it's not about again. I think I think we said this when we were recording. It's not a biopic. It doesn't fi- follow Michael Jordan's journey in the mm-hmm. NBA. It follows the mm-hmm. follows Nike and in particular a couple of some of the folks there including Sonny Vaccaro, who played by, played by Matt Damon, 
who was instrumental in convincing Nike to put its entire $250,000 sponsorship budget into just one basketball player instead of doing what they wanted to do, which was spread it across uh, three lower level players. Mm -hmm. That player, of course, was then a 21-year-old Michael Jordan, who at the time was just a promising up-and-comer. Right. Uh, he was not Air Jordan. He was not Michael Jordan that we know today. And against all odds, right. uh, thanks to Vaccaro's determination, Michael ultimately signs a contract with Nike over Converse and his personal favorite, Adidas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, we, we've had these biopics, a lot of these biopics recently, and the Queen one comes to mind where I know folks that were really familiar with their story were like, they changed like half of yeah. the truth to make it more interesting. <laughs> like what happened, this isn't what happened, you know, but whatever. Right. So it's not surprising that this film also tweaked some things, including the fact that the $250,000 budget was really actually $2.5 million. Uh, but the, <laughs> the biggest change is- Little details like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. I don't know why you change that, except does it seem more compelling yeah. to be a smaller amount of money? I guess it makes it more likely mm -hmm. that- Spending it on one per like two and a half million. You think, well, we could do that. We can have him and the three. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe mm -hmm. it makes it right. easier to make. If the amount is small enough, then breaking it down would have been more significant than saying, "Oh, we only gave him a million, which is a huge amount." Yeah, I, I get you. Right. Yeah. Uh, but the, the but the biggest deception is uh, something that's more pivotal to the story. It's it's the way in which uh, Vaccaro in the film is represented at having convinced Jordan to go with Nike. So Vaccaro mm -hmm. he wins over Jordan ultimately with this tear jerking speech, Jordan is convinced to sign with uh, the now legendary shoemaker. And what's presented as a poignant moment in the film was actually much more practical in reality. Mm -hmm. So as I mentioned, mm -hmm. Jordan liked Converse and loved Adidas. He did not like Nike is the reality. <laughs> and uh -huh. the rea in reality, <laughs> that's Sorry. right. Go straight back to DMC. I like Adidas for that reason. Although I wore, That's why I, I liked them. Pumas. I never owned a pair, but yeah. I liked them for that reason. Me neither. Yeah. I wore Pumas. I have them on now. There but you go. Yeah. yeah. But Jordan was never won over by Nike and he still wanted to go to Adidas, Adidas even after he met with them. So Nike wow. in reality met with Jordan and he mm -hmm. said, look, we'll do whatever mm -hmm. we need to do here, including offering him a percentage of the profits uh, mm -hmm. of the Air Jordans. So what did he do? He, he didn't uh, break down and hug uh, Matt Damon and let you got a deal or whatever happens in the movie. No, instead uh -huh. he went back to Adidas and said, will you give me the same deal? If you give me the same deal, I <laughs> will there. sign with you. Yeah. Uh -huh. And Adidas refused. No dice. Which is why mm. he went right back to Nike. Mm -hmm. Think about it. If, if Adidas had accepted it, Nike would be no more. I mean, they were probably you know, on the verge right? of bankruptcy. Right. They were struggling the this is a thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So this mm -hmm. is yeah, essentially what made their brand. Have either of you seen this film yet? No. I saw a trailer for it though. Certainly. Yeah. 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 yeah I've seen lots of trailers for it. I almost went to see it. I have the yeah. AMC A list. And so I'll go see a movie at the drop of yeah. a hat just because I have ah. a free evening. And I almost went to see it, <laughs> but then it was that or some other film. And I kind of went, this doesn't feel like a film I need to see in the theater. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's not full of spectacle. It's, it's mm -hmm. a, it's a performance. It's a character piece. It's a, it's, it's this dramatic mm -hmm. biopic retelling thing. Like I can watch it at home ultimately. So I, I, I wonder if that's going to hurt. I wonder if other people are going to feel that way. Cause you have the, mm -hmm. the quantum manias and the Mario movies of the world. And then there's this little of docudrama. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That probably, unless you just see every movie, I bet it's not going to do great at the box office. Not cause it's not good, but because yeah. just mm -hmm. pure dramatic mm -hmm. films, they struggle at the box office. You know, now that you say that, I, I didn't even realize it was in the movie theaters. I thought it was like a made for TV, no. like Apple or- There you go. Yeah, it Netflix doesn't feel movie. like it in the movie's movie, does it? <laughs> yeah, no. Exactly. Mm -hmm. now, years ago, it would have. You know, there was a period of time where we had more of these kinds of films. Yep. But yeah. nowadays, yeah, this is something Apple would put, Apple Plus, like the Tetris movie. Right. It feels exactly yeah, like yeah, a yeah. Hulu-y, Apple Plus-y, Netflix-y kind of thing. You're right, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. I'm holding yeah. out for that note. Yep. Yeah, all of them, <laughs> the conglomeration. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so there you go. But in spite of this little, uh, you know, untruth uh, to make the story more interesting, and I, I, in that sense, you could imagine all mm. this build up to something that was mm. like ultimately just a business deal, a cynical business deal. It'd be, it'd be a letdown. It's all but, down to money. It's all right. Yeah. Fine, whatever. Although you often mm. wonder, like, if you had to change that to make this movie, make a different movie. Like, yeah, what? yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. I know Rudy, the movie is based on a true story. And I believe mm. what unfolds ultimately with them letting Rudy play and all that, that really happened. 
But let's say that didn't happen. In reality, it turns out they didn't let Rudy play ever. You know, okay. then it would be like, yeah, but that's the main reason to, to have your movie. point, though. I get the feeling in this movie, again, I haven't seen it yet. So I'm speaking yeah. out of just what I've read and what I've seen in trailers. Mm-hmm. The high points of the story are accurate. But they've changed yep. like motivations and how people got to the places. They changed the amount of money yeah. and the, whether it was purely mercenary or because of an impassioned speech or whatever. <laughs> and so, yep. yes, that changes the dramatic tone. You know, did this happen out of mm-hmm. what was your motivation one way or the other? Was it because you wanted to get rich or because you believed in the goodwill toward men? But ultimately, if you yep. still mm-hmm. did the thing, that's factual. In your example of Rudy, if Rudy hadn't played, that would be asinine to do a movie about that because <laughs> yeah. you have to change the whole point of the movie, right? If they changed it and Adidas <laughs> went with it, that's the wrong movie to make. So, yeah, I think <laughs> the closer you are yeah. to the story, the more you're upset by these little changes, probably. I wonder why he didn't like Nike. Because they were a nothing shoe company. And, yep. and Adidas had run DMC's song okay. after it. That's exactly yeah, why for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, at the time, Adidas was a more prestige brand in that mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, look, even though, again, they made that change, there are some uh, truths that are revealed or things that uh, we learn in the film. And again, and Screen Rant ran these down. So it's, I'll just go through two of these that, that I thought were interesting. So there's, I remember mm-hmm. being a kid and there were a couple of things uh, that were uh, rumors and folklore mm-hmm. with regard to shoe brands. Like, for example... I remember being a kid and playing basketball, you know, behind our elementary school in the, in the courtyard there mm-hmm. and having a conversation with someone saying, you know what Adidas stands for, don't you? Where they get the name <laughs> oh, Adidas. Did no. you guys, did you guys have that? Oh yeah, absolutely. No. No, you never heard that cat? No. no. Well, this is ringing a bell in my head because I think this yeah. has come mm-hmm. up before I, here. I thought it was factual. I don't remember. I didn't know it was a rumor. I thought it stood for all day I dream about sex. Is that what you'd heard? Yeah. That, that's what we, yeah, that's what yeah. in the playground we that's, said, yes. As far as I knew, that was true. As a child, I never heard that. It was only here as an adult. <laughs> it's just now, as you learn most adult things on our show, especially if they're related to sex. Um, I was just about to say, and she has kids, guys. I we're, mean, we're wonderful so, influences on cats. I mean, she has kids, so you understand what I'm saying, right? But yet, she still does it. Anyway, but uh-huh. yeah, no. And then, and then I remember as a kid, they, someone said, well, no, no, that's not it. We, so we, we people made that up. What it really is, is all day mm-hmm. long. I dream about sports, mm-hmm. not sex, ah, but it turns mm-hmm. out neither of those is true. It turns out that the, the founder of Adidas is a gentleman named Adolf Dassler. And he was referred to as Addy. So you put his oh. Addy and Das from his last name. And that's where you get Adidas. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Adidas. Um, but one of the things in the film shows is the rivalry between these shoe companies. And at some point mm-hmm. in the film, the Nike refers to Adidas as being, you know, owned by Nazis. Whoa. Well, it turns out uh, that's true. Uh, okay. Oh my gosh. Um, so <laughs> actually this sentence might help. Let's see. Oh, the, actually this helps maybe understand what you were saying about uh, Jordan before or questioning Cat. Cause this, according to the screen, they said that Nike only had 17% of market share in 1984. And their mm-hmm. competitors, including Adidas, were giants by comparison. So you'd ha- you, it makes sense that they might be making, you know, these little digs at their, you mm-hmm. know, the sort of Davy and Goliath thing, except Davy's uh, so a Nazi. Right. <laughs> again, it's about the money. I mean, Goliath is a Nazi. <laughs> Goliath yeah. is a Nazi, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. So this mm-hmm. Adolf Dassler, uh, who is the uh, founder of Adidas, uh, not only does he have the an unfortunate name often associated with Nazis, <laughs> but it turns mm-hmm. out he was a card-carrying member of the Nazi party having joined in 1933. Hmm. In fact, his manufacturing oh warehouses were turned into weapons manufacturing plants, though he was against it, it uh, them doing that. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, the, the Germans, the armies, the military, the government did, did whatever they needed to do or wanted to do. But so, yeah. um, but he was in fact a, a, a Nazi. Um, all right. So, and then the other thing I thought was interesting that came out in the film and Screen Rant confirmed was where the slogan, just do it comes from. Look, right. It's a universal ubiquitous phrase at this point. Right. There's memes. Yes. There's memes with, uh, what's his name? Shia LaBeouf saying it. Just do it. <laughs> but he did in front of a green screen so you could put him into anything. Uh, the slogan was created by Dan Wyden from the marketing company Wyden and Kennedy, uh, which was hired by Nike for the brand's first major television campaign in the late 1980s. But it's explained mm-hmm. in the movie that those were the last words of a death row inmate just before he was shot to death by a firing squad. Oh man. The original person who remarked, just do it, was Gary Gilmore. And turns out he was wearing Nikes at the time. There you go. Perfect connection. Uh, 
<laughs> as blood seeped into the leather. It was wonderful. It was good. And now that's why the, the tops of the Air Jordans are red. Little known yeah. fact. They're red. There you go. Yeah. All right. Now John's making up a last part of this. <laughs> you do that all the time to us. But well. the truth is, the com- so the commercial first aired with the Just Do It, uh, first aired in 1988. And 21 years later in 2009, Wyden, who again created this campaign, recalled none of quote none of us really paid that much attention. We thought, yeah, that'd work. <laughs> oh, for now, <laughs> the placeholder. Gilmore, this uh, gentleman who uh, encouraged the firing squad to just get it over with already, uh, was a mm-hmm. Utah resident who robbed and killed two people, a gas station attendant and a motel worker in 1976. Firing squad wow. in 76. Yeah, huh. he was sentenced to death wow. by firing squad just a few months later. Mm-hmm. And uh, a screen rant says it's ironic that one of the most well-known slogans of all time was lazily stolen from a death row inmate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm always going to think that now. Whenever I see anybody oh, with too. that shirt on. I'm or, ruined. Yeah. Just do it. I'm going to yeah. spread the word. You know where that comes from, don't you? You evil <laughs> fucker. Take that shirt off. Disgusting. And now Nike gives free shirts that say that to every death row inmate to celebrate. Yeah. And then as soon as they're executed, they take mm-hmm. the shirt off. and They, they take the shirt back guy. and they use the pattern and on it. And they pass it, it along. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's just really the one shirt. Oh. <laughs> just the oh, one yeah. shirt. <laughs> just one. Yeah, just the one shirt. Did anybody wash this? Why? It it's going to be dead. You're not going to wear it for long, dude. Yeah, it does. This smells uh. terrible. Really? That's what you're worried about? <laughs> hey, our independent podcast is brought to you every week by folks just like you. So if you'd like to help us out, please... Follow us on the podcast platform you're listening to right now. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Share an episode on Facebook. All of these actions just take a moment and are 100% free. But if you'd like to chuck in a buck and help us keep publishing the show week after week, please visit us at 1980snow.com slash support to find out how you can send us a dollar or two. And thank you so much. It means a lot. Hey, another 1980s news. Carrie Elways stands by his uh, earlier opinion. The Princess Bride should never be remade. He's right. I mean, that could be mm-hmm. the whole story. The, yeah, correct. I'll tell you what happened because we have time <laughs> to use it. Um, so uh, Carrie Elway's, you know, star of The Princess Bride, right? Folks mm-hmm. know who that, he played the, uh, what, uh, the man mm-hmm. in black, mm-hmm. Dread Pirate Roberts. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, what's his name? What's his farm boy name? Uh, Wesley. Uh, Wesley. 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 Yes. The Dread Pilot, um, Pirate Wesley. Uh, the 1987 <laughs> film that really wasn't appreciated at the time. I, I remember it getting like, uh, audiences were like, eh, whatever. Critics, mm-hmm. I think, were the same. I saw it. I was like, I love this movie. This is fantastic. I think it required you to sort of get it. You know, it was a film like, if you didn't get it, you didn't like it. Mm-hmm. If you got it, because it's unusual, this sort of balance of swashbuckling fantasy and just straight up mm-hmm. comedy at times too. I've talked to many people about The Princess Bride and the way I've described it, if they don't like it, I, I always suspect it's because they're wanting a different movie. It's almost like you right. need you need a password. Mm. You need a key to get into this movie. You're like, oh, you have to get in this mindset. <laughs> Here's what it is. Not realistic, not a joke, not a comedy, but is, not a drama, mm-hmm. but is, it's all these things, but none of those things. Yes. But if you're expecting yeah. it to be something else, it looks goofy, which I totally get. So it's almost like <laughs> right. you need the password. You need the secret sauce to get it. And once you do- you're hooked. Mm-hmm. I had never um, seen, well, I didn't see it right away, I should say. And I believe I saw it in 1990 for the first time. Okay. Okay. But everyone, like leading up to that, the, the months leading up to me seeing it was filled with people saying, you haven't seen The Princess Bride. <laughs> All this shock. Oh, it was when I okay. arrived at college, it's one actually. It's yeah. Everyone had seen it, apparently, except for me. Inconceivable, <laughs> uh, cat. <laughs> it was, yes, it was. And so it, it, that was rectified soon mm. after. It, it was made sure that I got to see this okay. movie that everyone was shocked I'd missed. Yeah. Well, I wonder if it's then, you know, something that appealed in particular to our generation at the time, mm. uh, since you said it's folks at college, or was yes. it the benefit of the three years since the film came out, it started getting more of a following? You know, I was maybe. surprised um, when I... Uh, was reading this article, yep. I thought, wait, that came out in 87 for, sh- for sure. Yep. It was earlier mm. because of all the, <laughs> the how I was approached. Uh, Everyone yeah. being like, oh. Like it was a classic like, from the 50s that you have I, to see, but it really oh, was a very recent film. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah like I already yeah. missed Star Wars mm-hmm. somehow or mm-hmm. something like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Star what now? Yeah. You know, the, the, old uh, movies? Hmm? Yeah, Star Wars and old movies. That old movie, Star Wars? <laughs> the Around this same time, I think it must say 88 or 89 maybe. 
another film came out that, well, there's a couple other films that I feel like I appreciated at this time that they came out, seeing them in theaters. So I would go to mm-hmm. the theater a lot. Mm-hmm. But other folks were like, I don't mm-hmm. know, whatever. One was Baron Munchausen. I really okay. liked that film. Mm. I love Terry Gilliam Terry generally. Gilliam, yep. And I feel like I kind of get the sort of weird, you know, sort of tone of his films. Mm-hmm. So I like that film. Yeah. But one that was even more important to me at the time, again, that again, I, I remember folks, the audiences didn't really care for it. Or critics panned it, I think, was Joe versus the Volcano. Tom Hanks, oh. right? Tom Hanks, Nick yes. Ryan playing multiple roles, mm-hmm. uh, written by mm-hmm. John Patrick mm-hmm. Shanley, the, the uh, playwright. I think he directed it too. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. fact, that movie, I felt like I got it. I felt like it spoke to me because it's very sort of philosophical and existential, mm-hmm. you know, sort of the, that I would use mm-hmm. it as a, did I tell you guys this already? No, I would, not me. I, I I know this, but I don't think John does. Okay, I think that maybe I told uh, maybe I told uh, Jackie and Dion. Or I don't know when I was on their show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was probably. I it. would use this as a uh, way of determining a, a finding a potential meat. I guess I'll say <laughs> <laughs> was like a threshold question would be, "Hey, did you ever see Joe vs. the Volcano?" No. Okay, that's mm. fine. Yes. Mm. Did you like it? Mm. So like, no, nah, that was, I didn't get, that was weird. That was kind of stupid. Off the list. Done. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Separate checks. Thank you, ma'am. Yes. <laughs> My wife loves the movie. Again, I did it to her, mm-hmm. you know, when we first met mm-hmm. yeah. and we wound up watching it within, I don't know, probably 72 hours of first dating again. And wow. We both <laughs> loved that film. All right. What are we talking uh, about? So in 2019, uh, there'd been rumblings of the um, uh, Princess Bride getting remade. Yes. And that prompted Elway mm-hmm. to, to tweet well, here's what happened. So, so Variety at the time tweeted some, some, uh, Variety, yeah, here it is. I'm trying, I'm, for, I'm, I'm <laughs> smashing Variety and tweeted together. Retweeted <laughs> it or something. Variety <laughs> tweeted, Sony Pictures Entertainment CEO, Tony Vincic, Tony Vincic, Kera, hmm. maybe, Kera, wow. uh, says hmm. that famous, very famous people whose names I won't use want to redo Norman Lear's The Princess Bride, end quote. Mm. Elway's responded, quote, there's a shortage of perfect movies in this world. It would be a pity to damage this one. Yep. For fans of the film, they recognize that's a line from the movie. He's talking about the princess's breasts and not remaking Princess Bride, but there you go. I didn't know that was in the oh. movie. I did not recall that. You did see it though when everybody came to you, right? With pitch, pitchforks and torches. You did watch it? Under duress. I did. I have I have since watched the whole movie, but I didn't I didn't lodge every didn't detail. Pick up on that, so yeah. here mm-hmm. when you first said that, I was like, oh, and then and then when you said the next part, I'm like, okay. Um, well Elway's <laughs> post at the time went quickly viral, showing that <laughs> nobody wants this. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of, you feel like it's a no-brainer, yeah. right? People think they want it. You mean, when you say people think they want it. So who's the people, the, I, the I, business I, people? I, I think everyone. I think yeah. everyone is like, Princess Bride, I love it more. The, the emotional okay. is like, you want more of that. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you realize yeah. it would mm-hmm. not be more of that, it would be something different. Once you rationalize yeah. it, it becomes immediately, no, don't do it. Just watch the movie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, would you like something you love as much as that? Obviously I would. Yeah. You know, it won't be that. Well, then let's not do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah. You know what I think works better is, you know, when they use books to continue stories or comic books to continue mm-hmm. stories. Mm-hmm. There's something about it that you're able to then imagine the actors you, you fell in love with on screen mm-hmm. and their voices. And then it's mm-hmm. okay. Something a little better. Not not perfect way of continuing sure. mm-hmm. something, but I found that worked reading like Star Wars comics or books or something like, you know. Yeah. Now in a, in, in a recent interview with comicbook.com, I always recalls putting out that tweet and still stands by his opinion, saying, quote, there was a, I don't know, a CEO or president of some studio at some point who was trying to create some kind of publicity around the fact that he was going to remake the film. And he posted it on Twitter and I responded that, oh, he's, he's saying everything I just told you. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll see. <laughs> stands by his opinion saying, quote, that seemed to get the response his, <laughs> regarding his quote as a tweet and whatever. You got the whole thing. <laughs> This Come is on, all going in. Get I'm it not out. I have, I have a follow-up. You'll get out the thought. We, we were at the prom. <laughs> and remember what happened at the prom? It was terrible. I had to take Kat to the hospital. It was it was terrible. Horrible. <laughs> we didn't even tell you about the fire. But, you know, I don't know how many casualties. They're still pulling bodies out of that thing. Were you able to save any of your LPs or were they all melted? No. Melted. Mm. It's just one all giant LP now. <laughs> it, looks like, it looks like a tire. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we rolled it out, but you're not separating that. Anyway, oh, Elway so cool. says that he uh, he recalls having said that and says he still stands by it. There you go. Whatever. He got the response that he wanted. So he, I guess he's mm-hmm. taking credit for 
having, you know, shown what the real fan reaction would be to them mm-hmm. touching such a precious uh, property. John? Yep. As you wish. Oh. It was worth the wait. That's got to be a line from worth the movie. The <gasps> what? Cat? Oh, oh my God, cat. You never, <laughs> For never seen it. That's I don't, I'm doubting your story now. I've only seen it once. <laughs> I enjoyed it. It's it a main great. thing in the movie. It's a main point. Uh, it's but, a plot point, practically. But, but I, I, I need to see things many times. It's a twist when he says it again. You're <laughs> right. like, oh, that's... He's, he's the servant boy who's serving Buttercup, right? And he's in love with her, but mm-hmm. he can't profess it. And so when she gives him a command, okay. he says, as you wish. But in his heart, he's saying, I love you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So at any point later, you know... When he's mm-hmm. one, he was, you know, you gotta do this for he's me, this for me. And he said, now he's, he's in the, the masked mask. man. All right. He's she doesn't know who he is. As you wish. Mm-hmm. And she's like, mm-hmm. oh shit, it's him. It's Wesley. Yeah. And he still oh, loves me. Okay. It's, it's as yes. you wish, cat, as you wish. I just got, I just got goosebumps. See, just me John too. Reenacting me it. too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I, I love that that's happening for you guys. Okay. I'll move it up higher on my rewatch Cat's list. Like John's <laughs> just saying three random words. No, I'm not. I'm saying very powerful random words. Very specific ones, <laughs> as you wish. All right. Hey, another 1980s news. Uh, Deadline reports on the trailer for Michael J. Fox's new documentary. So uh, in the trailer for Still, a Michael J. J. Fox movie, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Back to the Future actor reflects on what's kept him active and fighting years after being diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Did you watch this trailer? I just realized I'm going to get haters for not <laughs> having Princess Bride memorized. Not knowing enough Princess Bride. And only watching it once in my That's life. That's what it was. And, yeah. That's what it was. Uh. That's that's going to happen. Uh, the the, the uh, <laughs> film, which uh, premiered recently to good reviews at the Sundance Film Festival, incorporates documentary, archival, and scripted elements to recount Fox's story in his own words. Quote, I was bigger than bubblegum, quote, and quote, the actor says of his post-family ties breakthrough into stardom in the 1980s. That's a funny thing to compare to. <laughs> yeah, was bubblegum that popular? Maybe maybe mm-hmm. for him, is his generation. Does anybody up. not know about bubblegum? That's true. You're right. Yeah. yeah. It might not be your favorite thing, but you know what it is. You know. I love the trailer. The trailer gave me the feels. I love that trailer. It looks great. I didn't watch the trailer. I love when he says, as you wish. Oh, goosebumps. (laughs) Now you're just being mean. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The film recounts both his career and his never before seen private journey with Parkinson's, including the years that followed his diagnosis at 29. Wow. That's right. He kept it secret for a long while, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Continue to act and try to do things to adjust his performance in such a way that folks wouldn't necessarily catch on. He just made we that part it. of his mannerisms, which yeah, we all yeah. bought because he was he was that kind of a manic small guy, and so yeah. Produced with an unprecedented access to Fox and his family, the film explores what happens when quote an incurable optimist confronts an incurable disease. End quote. Gosh, really feel mm-hmm. for this guy. Yeah. You know, this is kind of what we're talking about with uh, Harrison mm-hmm. Ford, you know, getting up there, etc. We love all these. We love these people. I love mm-hmm. Michael G. Fox. Yes. Guy we grew up watching and, you know, yep. he's bigger than bubblegum for us in the 1980s, yep. certainly. Especially oh. for actors like Fox who are not just heroes we watch. They're yep. proxies for us into their film, right? They're the one yes. living through it yeah. and you're living through the film with them yeah. kind of as your avatar. You know what I mean? It's the, yeah. Whereas Indiana Jones, fantastic, but he's the hero. Han Solo is the hero. Yes. Or Luke is more yes. like the proxy that you're moving through the film and you're learning about the world with. And Michael J. Fox is usually mm-hmm. the, the put upon kind of like scramble headed, like, oh my God, I'm overwhelmed kind of thing. And you're living yeah. the movie with him. Uh-huh. And so you map yourself yeah. onto him. And then when yeah. something bad happens to him, I think you feel it even more deeply. I know I do. Mm. Very personal. Yeah. 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 It's very personal. There you go. Yeah. yeah exactly. uh, in the trailer, Fox addresses what's kept him going saying, quote, I'm a tough son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Yes. Yeah. Good for him. I mean- I I would hope that I have the same strength, you know, sort of uh, persistence, Mm -hmm. all all those things that, that someone like him, he has demonstrated Mm -hmm. would face with something so challenging. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, 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 look, I know me well enough to know that the initial impact would probably be pretty devastating. I'd be, I'd be in that. uh, What's the first denial? Denial. I'd be in denial for a Long period. Mm-hmm. It's not just a river in Egypt anymore. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I was thinking about uh, Parkinson's, too, because I've been meaning to bring this up, that uh, you remember Valerie Perrine, the actor who, she was in Lenny. Uh, she was in a number of films in the 1970s, but uh, to us, she will always be known as Miss Tessmacher, the uh, glamorous, morally conflicted companion uh, to uh, Lex Luthor oh, in the Christopher yes. Reeve okay. Superman oh, films. Oh, my right? God. 
gosh, yes. Well, yeah. She too has been battling uh, Parkinson's for years. And uh, mm. just a few months ago, a friend of hers started a GoFundMe to help pay for some of her medical bills because they're quite mm. daunting. I imagine. Um, wow, yeah. And, fo- yeah. you know, look, she is one of those, you know, we would post it recently on Facebook, like early crushes. Miss Tessmarker, mm-hmm. I mean, come on. <laughs> and I, I love the moments, you know, in the in the films that, and, and again, she's she's but she was, uh, you know, she's a fantastic actor. Uh, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she already had made her mark long before for Superman. But mm-hmm. in those movies, I love those moments where Tessmacher, she reveals that she's not, uh, right. you know, this mm-hmm. evil foil, you know, mm-hmm. when she saves Superman from the pool and helps him get yeah. the kryptonite off. Oh my God. Ultimately a good oh, person. So Look at that. Yep. Super, super powerful. Yep. And yep. she's, he says to her, will you take this off of my neck? And she says, as, as you, you wish. wish. Right. <laughs> John remembers the movie. John saw the movie. I love Superman. He, he, he was flying. Remember he went around the world. That was that one. You saw it, right? <laughs> Pausing to see if she saw it. I love Superman so much. Yeah. And I've seen that so many times. Okay. <laughs> you can't take that away from me. I wouldn't try. Uh, look, if you can, you have the wherewithal. Follow uh, Valerie on, on Twitter. I follow her on, on Twitter and you could uh, get her a link to her GoFundMe mm-hmm. or, or look it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and please help this, you know, another national treasure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hey, in other 1980s news, this is our last story. So I guess oh, this, no. you know, show will be 45 minutes oh. or two minutes, 20 minutes or whatever. I don't know. We've had a, <laughs> we've had a lot of technical difficulties. Just don't edit starts. it. Just let it go. I'm not editing it. <laughs> I'm not. Go. <laughs> that five minutes of Cat's mic getting rebooted. Oh, no. It's in the show. Cat, we should come up with some more scenarios that may have happened at the prom to cover our bases. <laughs> I think those. you're right. We, we, have, we need yeah. filler. Mm-hmm. As mm-hmm. reported by Ghostbusters News, Ernie Hudson seemingly confirms original Ghostbusters cast are returning yeah. to the upcoming sequel. So mm-hmm. in, in an interview with the film Collective, uh, Hudson talked about Winston's role in the upcoming sequel and potentially let slip the return of other characters from that original right. movie. Regarding Mm -hmm. Winston, uh, he said, quote, uh, Jason, you know, Jason Reitman, whose Mm -hmm. uh, father was Ivan Reitman, the original producer and director of the the early films, and has continued his his father's legacy. Jason has Mm -hmm. been really, really been, you know, supportive of me and saying, okay, we want to see Winston because the fans have sort of embraced that character, unlike the studio expected. And then Ernie Mm -hmm. continues saying, I had a studio exec say, wow, the fans sort of think Winston's like one of the Ghostbusters. And I thought... That's what I thought he was, mm. end quote. All along. <laughs> Can I just say how happy I am uh-huh. that at this point in the legacy of Ghostbusters, yep. that Winston slash Ernie Hudson is, it's mm-hmm. like he's finally getting his due. Yeah. yeah. Because that role was initially, as I recall, yeah. was going to be Eddie Murphy. It was going to be another of these SNL alums they were going to bring right. into the fold and it didn't work out. And so let's replace him with another actor, but they diminished the role. And he wasn't, he was on the poster. He was seen as just the fourth guy. Right. He was almost just like you hire a, you know, he's a soldier brought in to work with the main guys is how it was treated by everybody, it seemed yeah. like. And now he's being placed as the savior of the franchise, the guy who's taking care of yeah. everything. And I couldn't mm-hmm, be happier mm-hmm. that there's there's this, there's this, um, vindication almost for the character and for the actor. Right. On the, on the long enough timeline of a Ghostbuster, uh-huh, we finally got uh-huh. to the point where he's getting his due. Right. That's awesome. Yeah, John, I agree with you 100%. You're right. Eddie Murphy was originally offered the role. He turned it down. I believe he went to film Beverly Hills Cop at the same time. He, he was, he had a conflict. He was, he was already scheduled mm-hmm. to film Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, and then they slashed mm-hmm. down his role because the script Ernie Hudson originally mm-hmm. read, read was the one written for Murphy. <laughs> and then Murphy. when they oh, got right. him hired, instead they cut it all out. He showed up literally on set. With, Where's all my pages? Yeah. Where's all my pages? That's exactly, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> oh, no. Right. Yeah. Um, but now, yeah. as you yeah, mentioned, yeah. Winston in the, in a post credits scene in afterlife, uh, he was re- mm-hmm. revealed to have amassed a fortune and he goes on to purchase yeah. the Ghostbusters firehouse, signaling this mm-hmm. upcoming sequel mm-hmm that the story was moving back to New York city. Very little is known about the story yes. so far. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. but, but also with regard to that sequel, curiously uh, in this interview, again, with the film collective, which, uh, which Ernie, uh, during the interview, which are in which Ernie spoke with the film collective. I'm having a real hard time talking tonight. Right? 
Huh, it's all staying in. I'm just really stalling. (laughs) Curiously, regarding work on the sequel, which is currently in production in London, Hudson said, quote, it's great to be back with Danny and Bill and Annie Potts and the new cast. It's been 40 Mm. years. It just Mm. feels like family, end quote. Uh, I wonder what the interview at that point was like, I've mm-hmm. got a scoop. Maintain, 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 <laughs> look calm. Don't act like you need to run out right away and publish this immediately Don't. because you do. Do not spook him. Really, that's Stay cool. Fine. Stay cool. That's fine. Whatever. <laughs> now, Danny is probably Dan Aykroyd, right? We can assume that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And while in the context, mm-hmm. Bill uh, may likely be Bill Murray. It may also refer to another actor from the first film. Uh-huh. Because spotted on yeah. set was William Atherton, the actor who played Dickless. The, mm-hmm. Well, that's what I heard. <laughs> yes. Uh, Walter yes. Peck. That's so funny, John. This is you and I. I have written down for me to say <laughs> the man, the man with no dick. <laughs> the actor who played the man with no dick, and then in parentheses I wrote, "Well, that's what I heard." Good. That was weird. It's like we rehearsed it. That's what I and now I killed all the magic by it. Just and thank goodness you overanalyzed it yes. to make sure make it we- especially funny. Anyway, Walter Peck, yes. And while Atherton reprised his role as Peck in the 2009 video game, he hasn't been in any of the other films. Mm-hmm. Uh, in photos snapped by the Daily Mail, we see Hudson, Atherton, and Paul Rudd, a member of the new cast, uh, and while, oh, and here's some other, another interesting bit is that while he's wearing a robe, probably to keep him warm because he has a hood, mm-hmm. it almost looks like a druid robe or something out of Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. He doesn't yeah. have the hood on, but yeah, oftentimes yeah. we see in these sets, they get robes to keep them warm because their costumes aren't sufficient mm-hmm. enough to keep them warm when they're shooting outside, for example. But mm-hmm. under that robe, you can mm-hmm. see the- Hot pants. Or hot pants. <laughs> which you, you get the hot pants warm, you have to crack them and then quickly put them, yes. put them on. Don't yep. crack them while they're socks. on. Crack them before you put them on, guys. It's like a glow stick. Yeah, it's a glow like stick. <laughs> I learned the hard way. Take it from uh, Uncle Will. Are you sure um, not wearing glow pants? Maybe that's what you. Oh have. shoot! I was thinking <laughs> the light. It's hard to get Whoops. to sleep at night. Oh damn it, John! You're right. Hot pants, I'm coming to turn you off and not use you anymore. I gotta stop cracking glow those. Pants. Glow pants. Um, but it looks like Paul Rudd is wearing the iconic Ghostbusters uniform. You can't only really see the collar, but it looks like the right collar and the right shape, which would imply that, you know, what was his name? Uh, Goober, Gooberson, Gooberin, what was? Hmm. Goobers something, the name yeah. Of the movie? Gooberson. Gooberton? Gooberson. I don't know. Whatever Gooberson sounds right, but now it sounds wrong. You said it too many times. I don't know. Anyway, I don't remember. Why is this teacher... No. This teacher yeah. slash seismologist mm-hmm. from, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now a Ghostbuster? I mean, he was possessed mm-hmm. by a ghost. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what the criteria is, I guess, for hiring. Maybe he's know. on as a consultant because something seismological is happening in New York. Mm-hmm. And he gets to wear a cool uniform. Yeah, that's right. Sure. Whatever. Hey, I'm all for it. I, I really enjoyed the uh, last <laughs> sequel. Uh, it was different. It was more mm-hmm. like an Amblin film than, uh, you know, a. Uh, for mm-hmm. sure. A Reitman yeah. film, let's say, but I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Something about that worked for me. Um, I dug it. He, yeah. I loved it. It's a little too fan servicey for me at moments, especially how that climax was mm-hmm. really similar to the first movie. What was, mm-hmm. you know, the thing yeah, they did yeah. good in Ghostbusters Afterlife, I think, is that the Ghostbusters obviously exist in the universe of this film, yep. by which I mean, mm-hmm. They have the same reverence for the real Ghostbusters as we have for the film Ghostbusters because they saved New York and mm. all that. So they were super excited to see a trap like we would be super excited to see a trap, but for a different reason. Uh-huh. Yeah, for them, yeah. it's a real thing they heard about. For us, it's a cool movie memory. Right. You know, so we mm. got, to, it, was, it was almost the same kind of fan service, but for them, they were fans. So yeah. it almost made sense. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. That's a neat little hmm. psychological yeah. trick. Yeah, well, it gives you an out, you know. Yeah. Well, why are we going to spend so much time mm-hmm. oogling over the, the ghost trap? Because they think it's cool too, because it's an it's, it's an it's an artifact from the event in New York, kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's that kind of cool thing. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. And I feel like that's how I rated it. Mm-hmm. I feel like you mm-hmm. just talked me into liking the like ending that. too. I was feeling like it was a little too on the nose because we have the <laughs> literal same bad guy from the first movie, you know. Uh huh. Yeah. Gozer. Right, right. You know, Gozer. The Gozerian. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. who looked like Sheena Easton to me when mm-hmm, I was a kid mm-hmm. in the first film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This one was played by uh, Olivia <laughs> Wilde, I believe. But, and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. come on. This is just, and they had, people became the, the, you know, the demon dogs again. 
But in a sense, it kind of makes true mm-hmm. makes or it kind of makes sense too in one way because that thing didn't succeed the first time, so it's going to try again. Right. 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 Whatever. Mm-hmm. Other mm-hmm. than work harder at it, I mean, it's the same bad guy yep. who have the same powers to do the same kind of stuff. So why not? Yeah. Same dogs. Same dogs. Same devil dogs. Yep. So mm-hmm. um, and now that we're back on track, maybe we can move on to some other ghost or whatever. Uh, <laughs> now, with regard to the yeah. the. Ernie's comments or those photos with William Atherton. Mm-hmm. Columbia mm-hmm. has not uh, made any comment with regard to who's in the movie other than uh, the folks that we know that were in the, the last movie, Paul Rudd and, mm-hmm. uh, hmm. wow, and other people. I don't know. I can't remember anybody's yep. name. And other people. <laughs> other people. Will oh, we Gary see Coons? the return of Gary podcast? What podcast back? Oh, and now what's his face that... John is jealous of Pat and fricking Oswald is going to be in this Pat, damn movie. Oh, and I'm right. Not. Yeah. Who it's else? Terrible. Yes. Yeah. We talked about that. There was two people. And the other guy, um, oh, 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 the other Kumail guy who's in Obi-Wan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. How about mm-hmm. put Josh Gad in there? Put another guy. I'm jealous of his talent. Throw him, give him a <laughs> Ghostbusters spot too. Anybody but me. I don't care for Josh Gad. Oh, no. Something about him bothers me. Well, he doesn't care for you, so mm-hmm. the feelings are mutual. Ooh. You know what I did care for was we started a podcast about 1980s pop culture and reached out to people that nobody was talking to, you know, uh-huh. and we were getting mm-hmm. interviews, et cetera. And mm-hmm. okay. there was a, I th- once, I think twice, he, during the pandemic, he starts his own thing now. I'm doing a show where I do all 80s stuff, you know, and look, he got, he got people. I'm sure he got them like that. No problem getting mm-hmm. people on the show. Yeah. But there was a couple yeah. of guests that we had that were supposed to come on our show. No, they, not, they canceled. And then they were on his show. Oh, and that's oh, why. Because they're like, oh, now we have op- oh. we have choices now. Hmm. I see. Uncool. So it's not him personally. You just don't like him as a competitor. <laughs> no, and I, I just don't <laughs> like this even this idea of the celebrity podcast. Mm-hmm. This was made. Right. It was a thing. You're already famous. It was Quit an it. indie thing. Right. Don't, don't suck up all the air in the room. Give us a shot. Yeah, it's a grassroots <laughs> indie thing. What you have to? What do you need this for? Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, whatever. Right. I don't know what this. I was just saying, Unless, of course, I become very famous, in which case, I'm definitely going to use my fame yeah. to bolster my podcast. Just so you know. <laughs> if you become, but famous, I'm grandfathered in. I already have a show. You're good. You, yeah. Y- yeah, 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 yeah. Well, then it's, it was organic, in a, you know. You know, it wasn't okay. Yes. Sure. Yeah. Yes. I mean, these people are bored during the pandemic, so they're like, "Well, I'll just do this other thing that all these other people are doing that have been doing it for years already." Hmm. 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 I'm ending on a real sour note. Will oh, versus no. Josh. Battle of the century. <laughs> All right. Hey, I'm going to smile. Hey, that was our show. So I know it changes how I sound. <laughs> well, not when In you our- grit and say it through your teeth. It does. <laughs> I'm Do very happy. I'm ecstatic. <laughs> so many teeth. That's a lot of teeth. Through all those teeth. <laughs> Our show is brought to you every week through all these teeth. Thanks in part to our early adopters like mm-hmm. Karen Flieger, yeah. Kathy Burke, and yeah. Rick Parker. There you go, Rick. And, <laughs> and thanks especially to our Secret of Our Success mm-hmm. Level Patreon supporters like Marcus Taylor, mm-hmm. Tony Great, Great, Nick Guillory, nice. John Henderson, Craig Coletta and Brad Bowman. Hey, hey. (laughs) did you plan it out ahead of time this time? I I did. I I mean, you're really on top of it, so I thought maybe. Well done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I didn't want to be given a hard time, Mm -hmm. you know, again. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Positive reinforcement gets people to do things more more than negative. Oh, well, I messed up. Get more flies with. You did it. Ham than you do with pudding or something. What's the saying? Yeah, both are oh. delicious. But you know. <laughs> hey, I have something cool to share. Oh, okay, cool. Mm. Oh, while we were recording yeah. oh. tonight, uh-huh. okay. I received a message uh-huh. from one of our loyal listeners. Okay, you mean listeners could just and message you? Yes. Give out your number. What's your number? I don't. Know. Oh, <laughs> it's Facebook. Oh, Facebook. Ah, yeah. that kind of message. Yeah, Facebook Messenger. And our loyal listener, Keith Sheehan, who was also my helper right. with the One Hit Wonder episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said, that's awesome. Yes. He said, are you all doing the live stream for the recording again tonight? Oh. Uh, so I answered him. Not live. Sad, but we not. are recording. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sadly not live. 
He said, ah, okay. I'd consider doing it always live because then I edit less. <laughs> is is that really? the whole story? There's the whole story that someone was wondering if we're doing it live tonight and the answer was no in the yep. story? Yes, that's it. So the message you shared was like a, a fact, could have been answered by the fact. Or if, so, if we had an FAQ on our website. So I have a story yeah, and then the light right. turned green and I went. And that's how, that's how it ends. I just thought it was cool that one of our listeners messaged us like real time. Oh. Like, here we are. Aren't all messages real time? And... You but, just don't get them right away. I was like, oh, we're recording right now. I'm so now. glad John's being it... mean for a change. <laughs> I'm just asking. I'm just asking. You can tell me no. I thought it was all cool. Right. Hey, we will do the show in real time next time. Will we? Okay. Well, maybe not. Maybe we'll do it delayed. Uh, when we speak to you next time on... Uh, 1980s now. Until next time. As you wish. This podcast is part of the 80s Ruled Network. Visit the 80s Ruled on Facebook for more 1980s awesomeness.